0: Why You'll anybody see. would?
1: They're the, They're. I mean, I'll give them that. They're like the best one win team in America last year. But that's
0: I mean, one because Kansas
1: s- won two th- What? The, well, they still suck. I mean, regardless. So.
0: I can't wait to preview Kansas, man. It's gonna be fucking good. All right, well, <laughs> son. When you do the right. when
2: you do the big twelve I'll I'll be sure to give you the J All
0: right, all right.
1: Yeah, well that's a couple of weeks away. Okay, welcome back to the South End zone. I'm your uh well, I'm not your host this week. I'm Jason Bailey. I'm with Eric Mulhair and Timmy Popovich. Eric, you're hosting this week, man. We just I am. figured that out. So yeah, you know, what, what are you up yeah, to, we're, man?
2: We're, we talked about it literally two minutes ago. Uh no, I'm good. keeping uh, keeping keepin busy. Suffered my way through researching some Pac twelve teams as we all did. Um Hopefully we'll be able to move this through because I don't think we want to dwell on a whole lot of these squads. Nope. Absolutely fucking
1: not. They, most of them suck. Timmy, what's up with you?
0: Uh, not too much, man. Uh, I'm just wiping the blood from my eyes from researching <clears throat> these Pac-12 teams and uh, putting together some, some thoughts about them. So we'll see how this goes. It should be interesting. whole lot of suck.
1: Indeed it should. Um, God, it like, it's like, I was telling Eric in the group chat today, man, like some, (laughs) some of these teams, man, it's like hard to stay focused when you're researching them. You're just like, God, they suck so bad. I can't believe I'm going to like, actually do a write up and talk about them for a while. Ugh. But here we are. It's the PAC 12. And I went back and listened to our PAC 12 preview from last year, (laughs) man. One, we were super inexperienced and fresh into starting a podcast and had absolutely no clue what we were doing. But two, boy, we were hard on some teams. But I got to admit, you fellows were awful hard on me last year. So I'll be really anxious to see how hard you are on me this year after I kind of showed you guys what was up in the preview last year. So with all that being said, uh, Eric, take it away, man. What are we doing?
2: Okay, so we are uh, – we. So we don't have anything uh, breaking news-wise, thank God. We can actually get through a a whole episode without talking about NIL or realignment or the transfer portal. I guess we will talk a little bit about transfer portal as it relates to these teams. But we're going to start off with Timmy is first up. And Timmy had the two Washington schools and the two Oregon schools. So, Timbo, give me uh, I'll let you pick your first team to
0: talk about. All right. Uh, I guess I'm going to go kind of – Why don't we go bottom
1: to top? Let's go bottom to top. Like take take the trash out first. Oh
0: man, man, you want to do it that way? I was going to start off high and end low, but all right.
2: (laughs) Okay, so then I'll 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 assign you one. So uh, Washington State has a five and a half win Vegas total. They them and Oregon State both are at five and a half. So. Las Vegas is not expecting a whole lot of either of those teams, but uh, what's what's Wazoo got going on this year?
0: So, five and a half from Vegas. I think that's interesting. Uh, I'll get into to the details here, and then I'll give you my final prediction at the end. But um, just kind of recapping them. Last year, they were seven and six overall, six and three in the conference. They're going to bring back 11 guys this year, five on offense, six on defense, and they've got kind of a new coach coming in. Uh, he was a, a holdover from last year if you remember their coach last year refused to get the COVID vaccine so they fired him Um, so the guy that you know they replaced him with had the interim tag and he kept the job after he beat Washington for the first time in 10 years and when you do that those things kind of tend to happen so you know good for him but their their big improvement from last year was bringing in one of the top transfer quarterbacks in the portal in Cameron Ward Um, and he should be able to immediately help them out he's a really talented and dynamic quarterback Um, and he's going to have some good receivers to to help him out on the outside Uh, his biggest problem and the problem on offense overall is going to be their offensive line he's going to have trouble staying upright for the most part and, you know, you combine that weak O-line with a lack of talent in the backfield, it's really going to be up to him to kind of carry the offense and probably throw it 50 or 60 times. But he should be up for the task. You know, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see That's what know, they how do he anyway. performs. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, you know, philosophy-wise, newer coach, you know, some might say they, they might have tried to scale back on that but it doesn't look like it but on defense you know that that should be a strong suit for them they've got a lot of talent coming back and they did a good job in the portal addressing you know some positions of need uh, in those other areas but basically for me five and a half i think is selling them a little bit short i'm going to take the over here I really think they can win seven games. You know, they have tough games against Wisconsin, Oregon, USC, Utah, and Washington, but I think they can beat everybody else on their schedule. And if they do that, you know, that gets them seven wins. But I also think that they could possibly beat Washington again and get to eight, but I'll stay conservative and take the over at seven on this one. What say you guys.
2: Uh, I say first off, uh, excellent job because you only use two minutes and eighteen seconds of your allotted time. Um, I'm efficient. yeah, quick, quick question. the quarterback, that's the transfer from like a small uh, like a FCS
0: or d sc- yeah, two Ward, he, right He was an incarnate ward, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, that dude.
1: So, yeah, that dude's a baller. He he threw for like forty eight touchdowns and like five picks or something with like forty six hundred yards. I mean, he, he yeah, can, uh, that's he the can guy we talked it. about
2: him a while back, and I was yeah. like, it's kind yeah. of shades of Bailey Zappi, where you come from a small, uh, kind of religious based like FCS D two school in Texas, and you mm-hmm. go to a kind of a pass happy offense, and yeah, you know maybe maybe he puts up numbers. Um, you know, Pac twelve defenses can be pretty inviting, so I'm I'm actually with Timmy. Uh, I'm not as optimistic about uh, a number like seven or eight, but i th- I think they will get to six wins and be bowl eligible. Jason.
1: This was a tough one for me, man. I just I agree with everything that Tim said about the I think they'll be an exciting offense to watch with uh, Ward and some of the playmakers they've got on the outside. I don't expect them to have much of a running game, but really it comes down to can they stop anybody? And that the big question I have about this team, you know, I know their defensive guy took over, you know, as the head coach and good for him, like Tim said, but I wonder like where those kids' heads are at, you know, that their coach just got fucking fired for not getting vaccinated, which is, you know, bullshit, but that's, you know, how it is. That's the world we live in. So I kind of wonder what I guess the culture is in the locker room. Do they like the new guy? Do they, you know, whatever They how bought in are they? That's what I want to see. So new coach, new quarterback, kind of the same scheme, probably, but if they can't stop anybody, it's not going to matter. I I think their schedule is pretty brutal, honestly. On the road at Wisconsin, loss. Oregon Hell. loss at USC, loss at Oregon State, not a guaranteed win, and then Utah loss, and then the, the, their final four games are toss ups. You know, they could win or lose all of them. So, I I'm a little bit uh, less optimistic here. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under and go with uh, a five and seven season for them.
2: Ooh, hating on them. Okay Well, speaking of Oregon State not being a guaranteed win, Timmy, what uh, bring me up to speed on the beavers?
0: Oregon State, the Biebs, uh, another five and a half over under for them. Kind of a similar uh, win-loss total to Wazoo. They were seven and six overall last year, five and four in the conference. They're bringing back quite a few more players. Uh, they're bringing back 14, uh, six of them on offense and eight on defense. But there's there's just not a whole lot to get excited about for them for me because it's, it's Oregon State, but they, they do have a, a couple of bright spots. You know, they, they had arguably one of the better offensive lines in the Pac-12 last year. And they're bringing back three out of those five kids. And, and I like that line paired with a stronger running game. But it's going to have to be that way because they, they have a soup sandwich situation at quarterback. They haven't named a starter yet, even after spring ball. The options that they're choosing from don't get anybody very excited. So that's a concern for me. But but defense is is really where they're going to get let down. You know they have a new defensive coordinator uh, who was on the staff previously last year. But as is, with all new coordinators, you know comes with new schemes, new looks, and that type of thing. And that's just really hard to make work in the college game in year one. So the jury's still out on that transition, and I think it's going to be you know not beneficial for them this year. Maybe in the future, but. Overall, I think, you know, the glaring holes on defense, the not exciting quarterback situation, five and a half, I think they could probably get to six wins, but no more than that. Six is like their ceiling. So I'm going to take the under at five wins because six is probably too too much to gamble on for me here. So I'm going to take the under at five.
2: All right. I would tend to agree because I'm, I'm with you. I, I find their situation at quarterback kind of a, an, an appealing grab bag of, of options. And I just, I didn't see a whole lot from what I looked at Oregon State to get real excited about. And I think they're probably in the four to five win range. So I would take the under as well.
1: Mm. Damn. You guys are not high on the Beavers this year. I'm a little bit higher on them than you guys. I, I think they'll be better than they were last year. You know, they they kind of uh, came out in surprise last year, you know, won seven games. And I agree with you, Timmy. The quarterback is quite a big question mark, and it doesn't, their schedule doesn't set up easy for them right out of the gate. You know, they they play at home against Boise State, and then they go on the road to Fresno State. So that's not two easy games right out of the gate. It's two pretty tough matchups for a team like Oregon State. But I think they will be more talented than both of those teams. And especially, I mean, you said not much to get excited about on offense. I think they do. I think you can get a little bit excited about their running game. They got a true freshman, uh, Damian Martinez. He is a boss. And I think you'll, you know, have a really good season for them. It, like he looks really good in the spring and they're talking about him fucking starting. So apparently he's a big time playmaker. And, You know, they're a little bit excited about their running game. They bring pretty much the bulk of their receiving core back. And, you know, outside of that, like, I think they're offensively, they'll be pretty good. But defensively, they, that's my big question. It's kind of like Washington State. You know, they they finished ninth, the Pac-12 and pass defense. Not very good. But just looking at the schedule, pure schedule look, it's a tough road, man. At Utah, like I said, Boise State, Fresno to open. They do get USC at home. I think their season is going to be determined by this stretch of games. Colorado at Washington, Cal at Arizona State. If they can win those four games, I feel like they're bowl eligible at the end of the year. And possibly, you know, get to seven wins. But I think seven, again, is their ceiling.
2: Jeez. So is that an over or an under?
1: That's an over. I'm going to pick them to go to to a bowl game. I I think they make a bowl game this year. All
2: right. Next up for Timmy is a team that I watched a couple of games, I think three games last year, and they had maybe the most putrid offense I watched all season. The Huskies of the University of Washington, they somehow have a win total of seven and a half. Why on earth should I be optimistic about that, Timmy?
0: Uh, You shouldn't be. I have no idea how they pulled a seven and a half over under out of Vegas. This is mind boggling to me. You know, highlighting their record from last year, you already mentioned they were four and eight overall and three and six in the conference. Not to mention they had a complete face plant because they were ranked number 20 at the beginning of the year and they just shit the bed completely.
2: Yeah, like right out of the gate.
0: Right. And it it was all mainly because of what you said was their offense was just atrocious. But, you know, this year they're bringing back nine of those kids and five of them are on the offensive side of the ball uh, and four on defense. Um, They do have, you know, a new coach, but he's basically taking over a complete tire fire on the offense. So, you know, he's got that to look forward to. Um, in my opinion, he's already off to a terrible start because what did he do this offseason? He says, I got to go out and get me, you know, big time quarterback. So who does he go out and recruit in the transfer portal? Michael Panix Jr. I know a couple of years ago, this kid was, you know, labeled as a very dynamic playmaking type person. But after last year and the way that he performed and the way that Indiana performed, I don't know how you go out and just anoint this kid as your starter and bring him in. You know, his injury history is very questionable. His performance last year is very questionable. And I don't understand why, you know, you can't just give the Heward kid a chance, you know. I know I I said it a lot last year and kind of in jest, but speaking seriously, what does that kid have to do to get on the field? I, I just don't understand his thought process, but... They sucked on offense last year. I think it's going to be more of the same this year. I'm not buying it. And they were no prize on defense either. They gave up almost 200 yards rushing a game last year. And that was mainly because their defensive line is so undersized. You know, they just got pushed around. And there's not a lot of help coming in this year to rectify that. So the formula is out there for teams, you know, just to run it down their throat. So I know I beat them up pretty good, but their schedule is so goddamn easy that I can't bring myself to take the under. So I'm actually going to take the over at eight wins. But it's completely, completely based on their schedule. And I think they do have the ability to go under. Label me crazy, but I'm taking the over. Okay, well, I will label you crazy.
2: I also believe they have the ability to go under. uh, And I feel so strongly about that, that I would take the under. Even though uh, Kalen DeBoer, he's won Everywhere he's been, I, he was uh, he had a five year run in at the NAIA level that is like mid nineties Tom Osborne type. Those like sixty and three or sixty and four, three national titles, but uh, they're bad, and he can't. He he's not going to be able to get it fixed overnight. They're awful on offense. They were average on defense. And even though the Pac twelve sucks, I don't I don't see it. Uh, give me the under.
1: Well, I'm going to say the same thing about Washington that I said about Indiana. A year ago, they will go as far as Michael Penix can carry them. Now, to me, the part you're missing is that the years that Michael Penix was so successful at Indiana, Kalen DeBoer was his position coach. I mean, he, is,
2: Yeah, he's his offensive coordinator in 2020. Right.
1: So that's why he brought him in because he's familiar with Penix. He knows the system. So it's not like Penix is walking into a system he doesn't understand. He was highly productive under Kalen DeBoer. So I think that's a positive for Washington and could provide some instant juice for them but it it the, he's on they're going to go as far as his health can take them. so i don't think they will be as putrid as they were on offense a year ago it's it's kind of hard to be worse i mean they lost to fucking montana in week 1 remember that and they, and so i think their offense is better defensively i think they'll be probably about the same because they've got mostly the same players coming back they do have two co defensive coordinators now so if they can keep them performing at a decent level, then I would agree with you. I think they could go over. But looking at their schedule, you're right; it is easy. I mean, Michigan State in week three. I mean, they do get them at home. We'll see what Michigan State looks like. But I mean, if they were if they could manage to beat Michigan State, I, I see them starting four and zero, assuming that they don't just completely choke like they did last year. But the, I mean, really, they've got a, a stretch in the middle there, kind of similar to. Oregon state on the back end of their schedule, you know, you've got road games at UCLA, uh, Arizona state, then you're home for Arizona and Cal and Oregon state. So if they can manage to, you know, win three out of those five, then I think they do go over and win, you know, seven or eight games. What's it? Seven and a half. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So I think if they come out of that stretch with, you know, three or four wins, they've got a chance, but I mean, I'm penciling them in for losses against Michigan State at Oregon, but I mean, they avoid Utah and, you know, USC. They should go over with this schedule.
2: Time will tell. I'm not optimistic, but uh, you guys can can take over seven and a half on those clowns all you want, I guess. Lastly, uh, one of uh, a team that is kind of looked at as maybe one of the favorites um, as far as win totals in the in the conference, uh, Oregon. Bringing in new head coach Dan Lanning, I personally think he's probably walking into a pretty good situation as far as new head coaches go, given you know their circumstances, talent-wise on the roster. But uh, their number, Timmy, is eight and a half. So what do you got?
0: Yep, new sheriff in town, like you mentioned. You know, just recapping them from last year, 10-4 and 4 overall, 7-2 and 2 in conference. They've got 14 kids coming back, uh, 7 on each side of the ball. And as you already mentioned, Mario Cristobal is suntanning in South Beach. And uh, Dan Lanning's here to give the defense a makeover. You know, but they've had some key losses from last year's team. Um, they had two very good running backs last year, C.J. Friedle and Travis Dye, that are gone. One went to the NFL. The other one transferred. I think he's uh, at USC now. And they also lost uh, Kayvon Thibodeau to the draft. He, he was a he was a stud man. That's high talent and high production. You know, gone out the window. But looking at who they brought in, Bo Nix. Anybody? Question mark. I don't know how I feel about that one. <laughs> <You> <laughs> Is know. it road Bo Nix or <laughs> home Bo <laughs> Nix? That's the right, question. right. And you know, considering he's a transfer, does that automatically mean that it's road Bo Nix? I don't know. <laughs> so my my prediction for them at eight and a half i'm gonna take the under there's there's just too much new here for me to say that they'll you know win nine games i could see them very easily getting to eight wins could they get to nine or ten you know sure but I, I just i think that's like perfection for them this year is nine ten wins and i don't see that materializing out of nowhere you know they have basically two automatic L's, you know, they open with Georgia and then they play Utah the second to last week of the season. And we all know how those ass thumpings went last year. So I just don't see them being able to run the table in the middle of their schedule. You know, BYU and Washington are are toss up games for me this year. So I'm going to take the under because I think they're going to win eight.
2: I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you go first, Jason, before I I speak on these guys because I'm I'm kind of torn, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But what what's your what's your take on Oregon?
1: Okay, uh, yeah. Now I agree with uh, Tim that uh, Lanning's walking into a great situation with 14 starters back, uh, four four guys back on the offensive line. That's good. So. Uh, I'm not necessarily concerned with Dye and Verdell transferring. I mean, they they were largely ineffective for most of the second half of the season due to injuries anyway. I mean, they got decimated by injury last year. We can all agree, I think, that the Oregon team that we saw get drilled by Utah was not the same Oregon team that we saw go into Ohio State and fucking dominate them. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I think their ceiling is, you know, 11 or 12 games. I, I don't think they run the table or do anything crazy like that. I agree with Tim that they, they, they're they toting an L in week one against Georgia. I don't think there's any fucking chance they win that game in Atlanta. So, not that I, you know, think they're going to get destroyed, but I just don't think they win. So, but beyond that, Eastern Washington, BYU at Wazoo, Stanford at Arizona, or at Arizona. I think those are all winnable. So realistically, five and one. And then UCLA at home. So tough game, but it's at home. At Cal, win. Colorado, win. Washington, I, I think that's a win. And then Utah. And then at Oregon State, that's really the kicker for me, whether they get to double digits or not. I've got them penciled in at nine wins, so I'm going to take the over. But I think if they you know, manage to get one, of the two of Utah or Oregon State, I think they go over. I'm going to pick them to win nine, possibly 10.
2: All right, so you're on the over. I'm going to take the under, and here's why. If if their non-conference schedule did not include Georgia and BYU, I, I'd feel much better about getting them to nine or 10 wins. But I, for me, because of those two games and then having the Civil War game on the road, for me, I think for them to get to, Above eight and a half, they they got to win two out of those three games. I don't see it, so I'm I'm gonna reluctantly take the under on them because I think they are one of the better teams in the conference. But
1: personally, I think you're personally I think you're riding the fact that you know BYU went five and zero oh against the Pac-12 last year that they can do that again this year.
2: Well, no, I mean, wait for it. <laughs> I, I think I, I mean I think BYU would be pretty good, and like like Timmy said, I, there, I think there's just enough newness here combined with. The two non-conference games and the, the rivalry game being on the road, where I would not be comfortable betting on over eight and a half for them personally. So let's move southwards along the coast to California. We'll start a, I guess we'll go kind of worst to first on your list, Jason. And that uh, boy, that, that's pretty low on your list. Um, Stanford has has a four and a half win Vegas total. You talked about uh, Coach Shaw last week on our, our hot seat rankings um they win enough games for him to make it
1: with uh, stanford yeah they do have a four and a half uh, i did mention david shaw in my hot seat rankings and i'm gonna stick with that and i'm gonna make believers out of you last year i took the over on them because i just thought eh, it's it's david shaw they'll they'll come back and we saw what happened they went fucking three and nine so they started three and two and beat usc which was ranked 14 at the time and number 3 Oregon and then they lost 7 straight.
2: Yeah, that was that was the Clay Helton death blow, was it not?
1: Yeah, uh, yes it was. It was uh it was a straight up beat down. Uh now offensively, I mean, they've got Tanner McKee at QB, he's back. Now, the, I mean, he's got some very very low level NFL hype. I mean, Shaw said, quote, he'll be one of the best guys in America this year. So they're pretty high on him. I haven't seen that on tape yet. <laughs> so, so I don't You know, that's uh, yet to be seen how good he'll be, but they were well below average last year, especially in the second half of the season. They, you know, about 300 yards per game total. They rushed for an average of 86 per game, so not good. They will have a pretty solid receiving core this year, but ultimately, man, the the problems with them are up front. Their O-line is trash. They allowed 31 sacks last year. They lost their top two running backs from last season, so they have no running game. And if they can't protect McKee, they're going to have major fucking problems. Uh, defensively speaking, it's the same thing. It's serious problems up front, man. They're changing over to a four-man front at, uh, this year after looking like Swiss cheese last year uh, in a year where they gave up 237 yards per game on the ground, which is good Gross. for about 125th in the country. Um, they do have their top two tacklers back at, at linebacker and uh, they do have a very experienced secondary kind of starts back there. But when I'm telling you they have one defensive lineman on their roster that's taken a college snap, I mean that, period. They have one guy who's taken a snap. So I would look for more Swiss cheese up front from them, and uh, I'm taking the under here because their schedule is the real problem that they face. I mean, you look at their schedule. <laughs> You look at their schedule. It, it looks like it was made by somebody who hates Stanford. They start out with Colgate, and then they play USC at Washington, at Oregon, Oregon State, Notre Dame, Arizona State, UCLA, and then Utah and BYU towards the end of the year. It's a fucking gauntlet. I don't see four wins here. I'm taking the under four and a half, and I'm taking Shaw to be on his way out
2: at season's end. So, <sighs> All right, Timmy, 90 seconds or less. Agree or disagree?
0: Um, I agree with with everything Jason had to say about their schedule. Um, Their schedule is pretty rough. But I don't agree with his thought that David Shaw doesn't get it back together this year. I think he manages to get this team to the over four and a half mark. I'm going to take the over at five. I, I really think that they had some struggles last year, but... I think that he's a good enough football coach that he can rectify a lot of that. And I think the biggest thing that they need this year is just better play on the offensive and defensive lines. I think they have, you know, fine playmakers, you know, on both sides of the ball on the outside, but that's where they really struggled last year. And, you know, I I think that he can turn that around. You know, is five wins a stellar season? No, but I I don't think they're bad enough to, to only win three or four games, you know, so give me the over at five.
2: Okay. Well, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you. I I believe that they are, in fact, bad enough to only win three or four games. Um, They are – I apologize, Mom. They are fucking horrid up front (laughs) on both sides of the ball. They are a disaster. We suck. They're just like Oregon the non-conference games are kind of the tipping point for me where you get Notre Dame and BYU. I mean, there's only so many Colgates in the world and I just, I I can't do it. I, I like David Shaw. I do think he's a good coach, but I, I think Stanford is still feeling the effects of no spring ball in 2020 with the COVID and how it hurt on-campus recruiting. So the 2022 and 2023 seasons when, when those guys in the 2021 class would ordinarily maybe be, starting to get some playing time. They don't have those guys. They're they're not particularly deep and experienced. So, you know, when you when you go three and nine, lose most of your best players from a three and nine team, you're just, you're in a bad way. So I can't make myself do it. I'm going to give me the under
0: on that. <laughs> hey, at least I didn't go all Hunter Balloon and say they were going to win the damn conference. Uh, right? At least you didn't.
2: Yeah, I'll give you credit Pencil me for in that. for
0: five. Yeah. So, I uh, learned my of,
1: lesson going over on them last year.
2: Yeah. Speaking of penciling a team in for five, Cal. What's up with Cal, Jason?
1: Oh, God. The most boring team in America. Uh, this is going to be quick because Cal is the least interesting team that I could find, you know, in any Power Five conference. Like, I would rather do it bio on Syracuse than these guys or Rutgers. So, <sighs> Cal. Okay. Uh, Jack Plummer comes over from Purdue. He's transferring over. And he's coming to a team that's got seven starters back total from a five and seven squad a year ago offensively they were absolutely putrid last year
2: we just got our ass totally kicked
1: but ultimately i'm not going to go into a bunch of detail you can pencil them in for a pretty subpar offensive performance this season yet again and uh they stink on offense that's pretty much all you need to know defensively it's going to be the strength the strength of the team again most of their defense is back and they do get their best pretty much their best player on their team who is Brett Johnson. He was out all year last year because of a hip injury from a car accident. So they get him back and they add a uh, Washington transfer, Jackson Sermon, who had 92 tackles last year. So defensively, should be a pretty solid unit and should probably improve on the 140 rushing yards per game that they allowed. So, with regard to the schedule, I, I couldn't find six wins here. I mean, it's just, it- it's pretty brutal. So I'm going to pencil them in at five and seven again. And if they get to a bowl game, I'll be surprised. But, I mean, they've got non-conference games on the road at Notre Dame. That's a loss. They play Oregon, USC, at Oregon State, UCLA. All those are in, you know, the last five weeks of the season. So, I just – I don't like it, man. And, you know, bowl prediction, I think Justin Wilcox, I mean, he should be gone at the end of this year if they falter again. But he's going into his sixth season, and they've stunk every year. So, who knows? Maybe they just keep him around.
2: I'm with you. I don't see six wins. I can get them to four, and I could, I could, I guess I wouldn't be stunned, speechless if they got to a fifth win. But boy, would I be shocked if they got bowl eligible. I I just, I don't think there's enough there. And you know, again, the the back half of their schedule does not set up well for them. So yeah, give me the under as well. I think they're. I I think
0: we're looking at a four and eight team in Berkeley. Timmy, give me the under button and a hammer. Four wins, maximum. That's it. You know, UC Davis, win. UNLV, win. Arizona, win. Colorado, probably a win. Everybody else, no shot. So they're a three or four win team in my book, and that's all I'm going to say about them. They suck. We suck.
2: Timmy, moving with efficiency yet again. Love it. Let's see who, uh, oh. Bring it your life, your (laughs) lifelong nemesis, Chip Kelly, uh, who you had, I believe what number three on your hot seat rankings.
1: I did have him number three on the hot seat rankings.
2: Okay. UCLA over under, they got a Vegas number of eight. Even.
1: Yeah. Okay. So UCLA, they, they sort of broke out last year. I guess you could say they went eight and four. They beat LSU. Remember that game? F you, Timmy. (laughs) <laughs> and they crushed USC by 29 along the way uh, towards the end of the year there. So now DTR is back for count them, his fifth season. Uh, and also uh, Charbonnet is back at running back. And that dude is a straight up beast. So offensively, you know, they do have a couple of concerns, mainly at left and right tackle. And they did get a transfer from Duke, uh, Jake Bobo, to be their, you know, pretty much their number one wideout. Uh, They do need, you know, maybe a couple of more playmakers to emerge, but I mean, it's a Chip Kelly offense. They're going to be built on the run game and take advantage in the play action. I don't, it's kind of like a Lane Kiffin offense. I don't really sweat Chip Kelly offenses. I'm sure they'll be fine. DTR, you know, has a chance to be really good this year, so I'm not worried about their offense. I think they'll, you know, continue to score a lot of points. Uh, I think they put up 36 a game last year. So I think they'll be okay there. Defensively, now there are some gaping holes, uh, especially on the back end in the secondary. They brought in a longtime NFL assistant, Bill McGovern, to take over, who Chip Kelly worked with in the NFL. So they brought him in as DC. And I would, I got to think that. the. Just getting the secondary right is probably his top priority. They were pretty much a dumpster fire last year. You know, I I think they finished either 11th or 10th in the Pac-12 in defensive pass efficiency. A lot, lot of explosive plays given up. So if they can fix that, you know, then they should be a little better defensively. Now the rest of their gaping holes on defense were all filled with unproven transfers. It's kind of the USC thing. So we we don't really know how good or worse they're going to be as a whole on defense. Uh, Schedule-wise, it's really favorable, I think. I mean, they play Bowling Green, Alabama State, South Alabama, at Colorado, Washington the first five weeks. I think they're 5-0. and oh.
2: yeah, don't, don't throw too much shade at Bowling Green. They almost screwed you last year.
1: Hey, listen, I don't want to hear about Bowling Green. We'll get to them when we talk about Minnesota. But then they play Utah and at Oregon. I mean, that... I would pencil them in for two losses there, but I don't know. And then they got Stanford at Arizona State, Arizona, and then USC and Cal to finish out. I'm going to take the over on Chip Kelly because I don't like Chip Kelly. And whatever I think is going to happen is the opposite of what happens. So (laughs) I'm going to take the over and say they win nine games this year. You know, would it shock me if they won nine games? No, it wouldn't. I think Chip Kelly's a good coach, but. I think he's just prone to lose games he shouldn't. So if he can manage to not do that this year, I think they get to nine wins and go over. But I would really love to take a push at eight here, but I just can't with this schedule. It's just, I mean, bottom line, this team, it wouldn't shock me if they went six and six or if they won nine or 10 games because the conference is just plain trash. But for the sake of argument, give me the over. I'm going to give them nine wins.
2: (sighs) Uh I was thinking push until I like really sat down and looked at their schedule. They're going to be favored in nine games. They will they should start out at least 4-0. Washington at home week 5 should be a win, but that's the first game they play that I can I can realistically see them losing. Then they get so they get Washington, Utah, Oregon uh right in a row. If they can get one of those 3, then I like them to win nine games. So I'm going to reluctantly take the over. But if I was betting actual money, I would run away from this. Uh, timmy what do you think
0: um i would not reluctantly run away from anything involving the over on this even though i agree with jason wholeheartedly on everything he said regarding chip kelly um, i put him on my hot seat ranking Um, and part of the reason i put him on my hot seat ranking is because if he screws up this schedule like and wins six or seven games he's done he's got to be gone because th- this schedule you i think you've understated it it is a cakewalk. i went through all these teams you know as we were building out the previews and came up with my predictions and i'm counting you know the easy wins on everybody's schedule just to kind of get you know where i think they're going to be at and i'm counting on both hands for ucla and i'm like what, what the fuck what is this schedule you know I can rattle off nine wins just without even sweating. So I'm going to take the over, man. Uh, and it's mainly based on their schedule. So fair
2: enough. Um, I agree. Yeah. I, I'd be more on the fence if that USC game was not at home. Uh, I guess not to playing not that playing at USC is, is some like, <laughs> real hostile environment. But um, I was
1: going to say, I don't put any stock in that. It's like a 20 minute trip for the kids from USC. Yeah. So, you know.
2: Now, now, the super late uh, Washington home game, the 10.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff, Pac-12 after dark game, like I said, I think that's their first test. If they win that, then i love them to get to nine. I agree. Um, speaking of empty stadiums at Southern Cal, Southern Cal is next on your list, Jason. So uh, the USC Trojans with a new coach, new quarterback, a whole bunch of new players, new receiver, uh, a new lease on life overall, they are coming in. With a nine and a half Vegas total. Whee! Should I say should I say that's crazy or not?
1: Uh crazy, maybe not, but for for USC, we've all talked to Lincoln Riley's arrival there to death. So I'm not really going to touch on Riley or his system because I think we all kind of know what to expect from that. But I mean, the only thing you need to know from them from last year is that they were four and eight and they were terrible. But look into this year. They do have that three-headed monster, you know, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, and Travis Dodd. So that should lead a much more productive offense than they were a year ago. And they have four starters back on the offensive line, but I mean, they're going to be running a, a different scheme. So we'll see how they adjust. I mean, ultimately, I mean, Jordan Addison needs to catch a hundred balls. I mean, I, th- I think that's that's what needs to happen. They need to get that guy to the rock as much as possible. Now defensively is where it starts to get a little bit muddy <laughs> they got gash last year uh, allowed 170 yards per game on the ground and they were also next to last in pass defense in the pac 12 so they brought in a ton of transfers on both sides of the ball honestly i don't think anyone has a great handle uh, outside of the coaching staff on what the defensive depth chart is going to look like in week zero or week one so Kind of hard to really project how much better they're going to be on defense, but I i mean, back to the coaching Lincoln rally, not really known for dominant defenses. So <sighs> looking at their schedule, this is where it starts to become a problem for me because it, it is a little bit, I mean, it, I'm not going to call it a gauntlet, but it is tough, you know, considering what they were last year, they play rice and then they go on the road to stanford that should be two wins fresno state should be a win so they should start three and zero. then they got a trap game going up to corvallis at oregon state i think that could be a trap game because oregon state if they're even remotely halfway decent on defense they could give them some problems because they can't stop the run period usc can't stop the run and oregon state should be a pretty good run team so that one's a toss-up for me Arizona State should be a win. Washington State should be a win. Then they go to Utah. That's a fucking loss. You can pencil that in now. Then they go to Arizona, Cal, Colorado at UCLA. <sighs> I can't get them to 10 wins off of the schedule. I just simply can't because they close out the season with Notre Dame. I just – Utah, UCLA, Notre Dame. Honestly, I think you could pencil them in for three losses out of that plus Oregon State on the road. So I'm going to take the under – based on a I'll believe it when I see it mentality with Lincoln Riley.
0: Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree with just about everything you said. You know, for me it kind of boils down to two things. Do you really think the combination of Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison and and you know, the cadre of transfers are they all collectively worth five wins improvement from last year? Talent-wise, you could probably argue yes. But I think we're already starting to see some of the the ruffles in that kind of formula with some of the Jordan Addison stuff, you know, rumbling around here in the last, you know, week or so about his situation and, and all that stuff. I'm not gonna dive into it, but you know, that's the problem with that type of formula is the cohesion and the buy-in and things of that nature. So that's one, you know, strike against them in my book. And then the other thing that it boils down to for me is if you're going to get them, you know, and take the over and bank on 10 wins, you're, you're objectively going to say that Utah and Notre Dame are losses right off the bat. And then you're going to lay money that they're going to run the table against everybody else. And you've already mentioned a couple of, you know, 50 50 trap games whatever you want to call them uh already and i could point to you know two or three of them on this schedule and i'm not gonna you know risk actual money saying that those are going to be automatic w's so i'm taking the under i think realistically seven or eight wins is probably very 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 doable for them but i really don't see 10 wins out of this team sorry
2: yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I, they should be favored in at least 9 games. And but for me, the it's the UCLA game. It all kind of hinges on the UCLA game because that's somewhat of a it's like you said, it's late in the season. You now, if you look at their schedule they say, okay, their three hardest games are Notre Dame, Utah, and UCLA. Having two of those three the last two weeks of the season is just not a great setup. So, you know, and UCLA drilled them last year if I remember correctly. Playing at UCLA the week before the Notre Dame. So there's a, a kind of a, a little bit of an element of trap game there. I just can't make myself believe that they're gonna win every game other than Utah and Notre Dame. So I I can't get them to 10. I'm kind of with you guys. Show me first. I know they have a new quarterback, newer all new coach. All you're four and eight last year. And they were lucky to be four and eight. So uh, I can't get them all the way to ten. I think they should win eight probably 50 50 chance they get to nine but i can't get them to 10
1: yeah well i don't blame you but uh before we move forward eric we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with you Hey guys, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on your favorite sports, you can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. You can throw down on all your major action that you want to watch, baseball, golf, MMA, whatever you like. Plus, with the same game parlay, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. I personally love to bet on my Atlanta Braves and laid a bet on them tonight against the Phillies. So hopefully that one comes through for me and you can lay a bet on your favorite team. And best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That is the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes for the details.
2: So, we only agreed across the board on a couple of these. uh, Under Cal, under USC, over on UCLA, surprisingly. (laughs) So, that's all the California schools. So, I will lead us off with uh, the Arizona schools. (sighs) The Arizona Wildcats. Man, they...
0: I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed.
2: They were one in 11 last year. So we talked about Cal's offense being putrid and Washington's offense being putrid. Uh, Arizona put up the lowest scoring average by a PAC 12 team in 13 years. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. That's kind of a whole nother level of awful. Now I think, uh, they will be over the course of maybe the next two or three years. I think they will improve. Cause I think Chad fish, uh, He's recruiting very well. He had number 25 class in the country this past year. Unfortunately, it's not going to help him this season. What is going to help them is Jaden DeLora, the Washington State transfer uh, at quarterback. He was the Pac-12 Offensive Rookie of the Year at Washington State in 2019 or 2020. Michael Cowling, at receiver, is probably going to be their, their main guy. Uh, he's a UTEP transfer. And then they have a couple of running backs. They don't really have a, a workhorse, but they got two guys I think they trust to run the ball. Their defense was average. I mean, they're pretty mediocre or they weren't awful, but they certainly weren't good. They were just kind of there. Uh, they bring a lot of guys back, so they will, you know, they might not be very good, but they will be experienced. I guess the the most enjoyable fun fact I found looking at Arizona is the fact that Jed Fish is the only coach in FBS football who never played football in college or high school. Other than that, these guys are just super boring and they're going to be bad under two and a half for me. Oh,
0: God. Mm. (laughs) Oh, buddy.
1: Timmy, you want to touch on that?
0: Yeah, I'll touch on this one. Um, Not only are they going to go under, but the the first 2022 South End Zone podcast hot take of the year is going to be for me. You're going to give them a donut? They're not going to win a goddamn game. You kidding me? I mean, oh seriously, God. look at their schedule. You know, non-conference, they're playing San Diego State, Mississippi State, North Dakota State. That, that ain't easy at all for them. Outside of those three non-conference games, for me, the only winnable game I see is against Colorado. Everybody else on this schedule is light years ahead of where they're at, and I just don't see it, man. I looked at it hard and I couldn't find a win. <sighs> I'm going to asterisk well, that. That's your 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 hot take for the season.
1: I can't give them zero wins. I, I don't know who the hell would want to schedule North Dakota State. I mean, like they're an FCS juggernaut. Why would you do that to yourself? But Colorado is a winnable game. It's at home. I mean, Washington State at home. Arizona State is the last game of the season. Arizona State is a fucking dumpster fire. I'm not just going to grant Herm Edwards a win there. So, do I think they win three games? Probably not. But I think they can get to two wins. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Eric and say under two and a half. But I, I do think they. It wouldn't shock me if they won three games. I'll put it that way.
2: Yeah, I, I can close my eyes and make myself imagine them beating Cal and Colorado. And it's well within the realm of possibility that the the trash heap known as Arizona State continues to get worse as the season goes on. You know, there's no guarantee that Herm's gonna be employed at the end of November. So would it shock me if Arizona State is so decimated that the Wildcats come in and beat them? No. But I would not place money on it. That would also hinge on them winning at Cal and against Colorado as well. You know, at San Diego State. San Diego State's like five and zero or six and zero against the Pac-12 the last seven years. Mississippi State, that's an L. North Dakota state is going to be kind of interesting to see where that that overlap in the Venn diagram is between great FCS teams and bad FBS teams, but other than that, I mean it's just L L L L Oregon at Washington, USC at Utah at UCLA versus Washington State. That's like six losses right in a row without even drawing a breath. So yeah. under on these guys.
1: I mean, what do you think their ceiling is? Four wins? Three. If everything break if everything breaks right, you think it's three wins?
2: I I could I can envision a scenario where they get to three, but boy, I I would need to have a couple in me to get them to four.
1: Well, I've got a couple in me and I think if everything breaks right for them, they could get to four wins, but that is the absolute max if everything goes perfect for them. So I'm with you. I think they're a year away from even competing for a bowl game. So I'm going under, sadly.
2: Next up on the chopping block, Herm. Hello who was my number three hot seat coach. Oh, boy. Boy, this this is bad. Arizona State had, I was actually looking at my notes from last season. They had a, a nine-game Vegas total last year, and I took the over because I was just really impressed with the the talent and depth and experience that they had. They have none of those things right now. So in the last, oh, I don't know, call it 12 calendar months, they've lost five coaches to include offensive and defensive coordinators. Uh, and then since the end of the season, they've had 14 players transfer. 14 scholarship players have left yeah. to include their starting quarterback, their starting defensive tackle, their, their best linebacker, their two top receivers. They are an absolute mess. So they brought in Emery Jones, transfer from Florida, who was fair to middling. They brought in a transfer running back, uh Xavier Valade, who over the course of his career at Wyoming ran for about 3200 yards. Uh, he'll probably be a pretty decent player. They're returning their top returning receiver is Brian Thompson who had 13 catches last year and they lost three O-line starters. So, nothing real promising there on offense. Uh defensively, they're pretty good. They, you know, 20 Point eight points allowed. Their front seven is okay, but they're replacing their entire secondary. A whole bunch of new blood back there. When you're talking about facing offenses like USC and Oregon, Uh, it's probably not great. They're kind of difficult for me to sort of evaluate because they have so many people, you know, new faces in and out, and everything going on behind the scenes. So it's not really necessarily an indictment of their talent level or their schedule or anything. I'm just not confident with, with the whole situation really. So five and a half, even though they have some like Uber winnable non-conference games, like Northern Arizona and Eastern Washington. Um, they also play at Oklahoma state. That's probably an L uh, Utah at USC L's. You know, they, they, they miss oregon but i'm just not confident that things are going to go well enough for them to make a bowl game this year so i'm going to take the under on them so, timmy what what are your thoughts on the sun devils
0: uh my thoughts are that if you're a college football fan in the state of arizona i would like to send you my condolences because it's just sad man it's just very sad um they're they're not much better than arizona but over-under total for them of five and a half I think is ludicrous. Who in the hell can look at this team and what's going on there and then look at their schedule and get them to six wins? I sure as hell can't do it. I, I can look at their schedule and I can count three pretty easily, but outside of that, there ain't no way in hell that I'm going to risk money saying that they're going to win six games. That's absolutely crazy to me. Yeah. Absolutely not. Well, I, I, under- I can- I can get them to
2: four pretty easily and then say, okay, they split Washington state, Oregon state, and then finally gets them to five. But man, that's just, I, just no confidence. Yeah. Jason.
1: I'm a little bit more optimistic than you guys are on these. I, I took a hard look at them today because I had Herm at number four in my hot seat. And for good reason, all the stuff we talked about in the off season with them, but I can look at their schedule and get them to five wins. Just, you know, if Emory Jones plays well, And also a transfer you didn't mention, they also brought in a transfer from Alabama at quarterback Paul Tyson, who is the grandson of Bear Bryant. So if Emory Jones goes out and shits the bed, then he might get a look at quarterback. So uber-talented guy, just, you know, he's playing behind Bryce Young, so he transferred. But uh, looking at their schedule, man, Northern Arizona, that's a win. Eastern Michigan win. Uh, Washington, they beat by five last year. Beat them 35-30 to in Washington. So... Toss up for me at Stanford, probably a win. At Colorado, winnable game. Don't know. They drilled Colorado last year, beat them like 35 to 10 or something. Uh, UCLA, loss. At Washington State, they lost to him last year. So I'm going to say loss. Oregon State lost to him last year, but it's at home this year. So toss up. And then at Arizona, I think. That could be a win depending on where we're at. Kind of like what I said about Arizona. We'll see what's going on at that time. It's the last game of the year. So if everything breaks right for them, I can get them to five wins, but I just don't have it in me to find that sixth win. They did beat UCLA a year ago, like drilled them by three touchdowns. So Herm is known for winning games he shouldn't and losing games he shouldn't. So – you couldn't pay me. Like, if you handed me a $1,000, I would not bet it on Oklahoma State and Arizona State because that's Gundy <laughs> and Herm, the two guys that screwed me out of more money. Like, that game combined has lost me thousands of dollars. So, uh, you couldn't pay me to bet on it. So, it would only be that, better if
2: Chip Kelly was refereeing.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, there's, it's like, it's the game that I least want to watch. Like, oh God, I can't, I'm not even going there. So I can get them to five wins if I really, really am optimistic about it. But ultimately, dude, I'm with you. I'm taking the under just because of all the off season stuff that we've talked about.
0: Oh goodness. Herm, 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 Herm. herm. Can we just talk about for a second how cutthroat Nick Saban is letting the Bear Bryant bloodline walk out the door over there? What's going on?
1: If I was Bear Bryant's grandson, I wouldn't go anywhere near Alabama because they would put so much expectation on that dude. It's just I think he he did good by transferring, not necessarily to Arizona State. I probably would have went somewhere else, but I don't know. He's He had no chance to play, so that's ultimately why he transferred.
2: All right, next up, Colorado, who last year had a 4.5 win total. I took the under and – they came through for me. They went four and eight. Uh, from that four and eight team, they they, they lost twenty three players to either graduation, eligibility, NFL transfer, what have you. So they're missing a lot of guys from a pretty substandard team. Um, they got a win total of three and a half. And oh god, this is kind of a common theme for this conference. I'm I'm leaning under because they just lost. They lost their two best receivers, their best running back both starting corners. They were already bad offensively. They were 129th in the country in total offense. So they're bringing in a new uh, new OC. Up front, they were awful. They allowed a 43% pressure rate, which is the fourth highest in FBS. They gave up 31 sacks. They had the third fewest 20-yard plays in the country, beating out Navy and the University of New Mexico. And that's so they brought in RJ Snead, uh, his transfer, his receiver from Baylor, kind of played off and on part time for them. He put up about 1,500 yards and eight scores over his three seasons there. But offensively, I think they're going to be just disgustingly bad. They bring five starters back on a defense that allowed just under 27 points a game. They did not get after the quarterback as well as other teams got after theirs. They had a 23% pressure rate, which is 115th in the country. They were 127th in the country in sacks. And the only starter in the secondary is a safety who actually led the team in tackles, which is never a good thing. If the guy playing that far off the ball is your leading tackler. So um, bad on offense, bad on defense. Uh, So give me under three and a half because despite getting uh, not a brutal non-conference slate um, TCU at air force at Minnesota, I could easily see that being three L. I mean, they might start zero and four before they play at Arizona in a game they have a legitimate shot at winning and might be favored in. But I just I don't see four wins here. Do you see it? What do you see, Jason? You see four?
1: Absolutely fucking not. They suck under. Next question.
2: There'll be no questions from me. Please ask me after. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Next the next question is Timmy, what do you got him at?
0: Um I'm gonna need the button again and the hammer. Uh under. You know, <laughs> You you already detailed how bad their situation is, um, and you know looking at the schedule, like you said, their non-conference schedule not favorable for them. I went ahead and said they'll probably beat Air Force, but that's not a guarantee. And then the only other two teams on their schedule that I see them having any chance of winning is Arizona and Arizona State. Everybody else should throttle them. So I even see them at three. Win- yeah, even Cal. Um, wow. That's, that's I, I, embarrassing. I see three wins at best, so definitely hammer that under.
2: Oh, fair enough.
1: I'll be all hammering right. unders on them all season because their offense is so fucking terrible. Like yeah. at air at Air Force, give me the under 39 and a half. <laughs> like that's yikes. There's see, gonna be no. Their defense is so bad all. that
2: Airs that Air Force might score 40. That's like,
1: true. I don't know.
2: Oh, mm. So, all right, well, so we, we've we've suffered through kind of the the dregs of the conference. Last team hitting the home stretch here, boys. Uh, the defending Pac-12 champs, Utah. Uh,
1: yeah, sorry. who you guys all said I was fucking nuts for picking to win the Pac-12 last year.
2: I didn't say that.
1: Well, Eric didn't say that. Timmy did say that. He said I went back and listened to it. He's like, "Excuse me, did you say win the Pac-12? Absolutely fucking not. That's what." Came I played the fifth. Said. Yeah. I'll, I'll feel free to play that sound back for you.
2: Okay. Well, they, I mean, they had an eight and a half win total last year and I said it was an easy over. Like I was all over that and they have an eight and a half win total this year and in a development that should shock nobody. I'm going to take the over on that as well, because I think they are going to win the conference again. They bring back 17 starters. uh, I guess if you count the (laughs) specialists, they bring back eight, starters on offense and six on defense Um, cam rising played really he didn't start the season last year he kind of came in when Charlie Brewer's ineffective but he had a good year he was uh, a all-conference six in the country in QBR and uh, totaled out 26 touchdowns he had 20 passing and six rushing but they are going to be a absolute nightmare on the ground and I think for them everything is going to kind of start and end offensively with Tavion Thomas who. He, he is a large man. Uh, he's particularly large for a running back. He's, he is every bit of six 235. last year, 1100 yards, 21 touchdowns. Um, he is, he's is just a red zone weapon. And I think he probably improves on no, those numbers. Uh, certainly the yardage one guy to look out for Jalen Glover. Uh, he's a true freshman receiver. He, they're looking at him at maybe contributing offensively right away. And they have two pretty good tight ends. Um, Dalton Kincaid and Brant Keith. Um, they totaled out 15 touchdowns last year between the two of them. So defensively, I think they take a step back. Maybe they lost Devin Lloyd to the NFL. He was a all American first round pick. Uh, Neffy Sewell is also gone, but in the secondary, they got three starters back, um, defensively up front. They're kind of young and maybe a little experienced, but they're some talented guys and Utah usually figures out defense. So, uh, I mean, I like, if, they, if they can go down to the swamp and beat Florida week one, I like them to win 11 games. But just in general, eight and a half, I'm going to take Timmy's hammer and I'm going to hit the over button with it. So, Timmy, what are you doing with these guys? What do you got them at?
0: They're a double-digit win team, man. Ten wins, I think, is very, very doable for them. With as much talent as they have coming back from last year's team, and you know looking at their schedule i don't know how they couldn't win 10 games i think the florida game early on it's it's not going to be necessarily easy but i do have that one penciled in as a w for them and then you know the only other two real tests that i see on their schedule are usc and oregon And I think they're much better than, you know, both of those teams, but we'll call that a 50-50 split. So I think 10 or 11 wins is very, very doable for this team. So I'm taking the over.
2: Yeah. I guess I look at their schedule. I can't find four losses really is what it comes down to. Like exactly. I could squint and talk myself into three, but that's it. Like even Florida, they're, they're favored right now, they're a one and a half or two point favorite on the road. So I, Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think they get to double digits. But Jason, what do you think?
1: I've got them winning double digit games. Uh, I think eight and a half is the most egregious miss by Vegas in this conference. Um, I think the rest of them were pretty, you know, right in line with what we've uh, you know been projecting. But I don't get the eight and a half from a team that is bringing back seventeen starters, won ten games a year ago, and went toe to toe with Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, lost by three points in the final seconds. So I just I, I don't see it. I think at Florida is a tough matchup, week one, you know, going on the road in September when it's a thousand degrees. But I just uh was in Utah. It gets hot as fuck in Utah. So it's not like they're, you know, not used to the heat. So I don't think that game will be anything that they're scared of. I don't see Utah walking in there scared. So I've got them getting to eleven wins here. I, I think they go undefeated in the conference. You know they they are at UCLA and at Oregon, but I mean after what they did to Oregon last year, man, I just I can't I can't buy into yeah. Oregon
2: beating them. They, so they played them twice and beat them by seventy five points – or seventy points. Yeah, yeah. Like how 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 scared should they be of that team?
1: Right, and you they get USC at home, they get Oregon State at home all their tough games are at home minus Oregon so and at UCLA so i just i've got them going 11 and 1 at minimum but i'm telling you right now it would not shock me to see them go 12 and 0 and be playing in the Pac-12 championship against either Oregon or USC or UCLA all
2: right so unless i made a stray mark in my notes that is that is all the teams we have everything recorded for posterity so uh if anyone needs to get ridicu- ridiculed at the end of the year the, the ammo is on my desk. Um, oh well, I'll take some on the chin I'm sure. <laughs> Probably that's usually how it works. Uh, so next week we are shifting coasts and we're gonna go check out the ACC and as an added bonus, we're gonna work Notre Dame into that conversation.
0: Ooh spicy.
2: yeah so I guess we'll we'll uh, we're actually running later than I had hoped but uh, so unless you guys have anything else, I kind of abandoned the timer. Uh, plan,
0: but yeah, nobody was <laughs> paying attention anyway.
2: I know. Yeah. I, I was like, okay, well, this thing's ineffective. Like they
0: just keep talking.
2: Um, yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back next week talking, uh, ACC and Notre Dame. So until then, uh, stay safe and love your neighbor. Just not too much.
1: Later. Thank you very much. Have a great day.